the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. History has clearly shown that Christ is required to overcome the natural tendency of powerful forces to destroy God-given rights, including the right to hear and speak His truth. Welcome to Biblical Citizen. Let's roll with your hosts, Brian and Kathleen Melanakis. Kathleen is an author and retired registered nurse, and her husband, Brian, is a former company president. Kathleen and Brian discuss current events from a biblical worldview, so we as believers can influence for good in our culture and in the public square. Here is Biblical Citizen. Let's roll. Hello, Biblical Citizens. You know, nothing is more important than how we educate our children. And the San Diego School District does not give us any comfort in how they are performing that role by a wide, according to a wide variety of measurements. We're talking to a premier candidate for the San Diego Unified School Board, Becca Williams. Becca Williams is a mom, a former classroom teacher, a businesswoman, and a stock car race driver, believe it or not. She, she certainly has that in her background. She's a founding board member of Valor Public Schools, which is a charter schools founded. It's based on the classical tradition, great books, and advanced math and science. And as I mentioned prior to that, Becca has competed professionally in stock car racing. She's also taught in the classroom, first and fourth grade. She's a graduate of Belmont Abbey College. She holds a graduate degree in theology from the Pontifical John Paul II Institute. And one more thing, Becca says she's a lover of babies, dogs, and nature. So you gotta, you got to go along with that. Welcome, Becca. Hey, thanks for that intro. I really appreciate it. Good to be with you, Brian. And you're also moved by the beautiful things in life, and I really love that. That's that's wonderful. That those are your favorite things. <laughs> so. That's right. I think most people agree with those things. Most San Diegans do. Even uh, even if you know some of my ideas and political ideas are not as uh, uh, popular with every single person. I think almost everyone agrees with those last parts there. I hope so. Yeah. So Becca, the current San Diego school board kept our schools closed for almost 18 months. And a lot of us damage, damage was done to our children by this short-sighted policy. And the teacher unions fiercely pushed to keep schools closed. And all too many school board members are beholden to teacher unions. And so what can we do about this problem? This is what you're running against, right? That's exactly right. This, the San Diego Unified is California's second largest school district, and the current board is a 5-0 union-dominated board. Oh, and wow. during the pandemic, they did exactly what you said. They kept the schools closed for 18 months, even after they pushed teachers to the front of the line for for vaccinations, uh, you know, ahead of more vulnerable populations. And then they still continue to keep the schools closed. We're just getting the data in on where San Diego students are, and uh, something happened in San Diego with the way they did their virtual learning and the school closures that the results are really bad. They're even worse than Los Angeles. So there is something about these policies and the way they were enacted that you cannot look at this and say, we did the right thing here, and we couldn't have done anything else. 
ironically, that's what you find uh, Richard Barrera saying, who was kind of the driver and leader of a lot of these policies in the COVID era. He, he still claims to this day nothing else could have been done. And I just think that that, uh, that should tell you everything you need to know about uh, how, how these people operate in terms of not being able to reflect on decisions and not really leading. Wow. Even Fauci is distancing himself from the school closures. He's saying, oh, I had nothing to do with yeah, it. So this is really unbelievable. Yeah, wow. he's, he's, pretend, he's pretending yeah. he didn't say what he said, but uh, yep. this, this guy you're talking about on the school board, um, it's either willful, willful ignorance or worse, I'm afraid. So I want to ask you about some other things that you say. You, you have a really good website, by the way. And by the way, uh, what is your... Where should listeners go to go to your website? It's Becca4SchoolBoard.com, all spelled out with letters, F-O-R. Okay. Uh, Becca4SchoolBoard.com is the website. Or if you just Google Becca Williams, it'll come right up, as well as a bunch of other stuff on me. Good. Well, you have a good website. And one of the things you say on there that kind of got my attention is you said you stand for the preservation of childhood and I don't think the education establishment we were just talking about seems to think that that's actually very important. So, But what are you seeing in the San Diego schools that seems to go against the preservation of childhood? Well, I mean, just coming off of the school closure conversation, part of having a healthy childhood is being able to interact with peers, to talk, to play, to go to recess, to participate in sports to do all those things that schools are really a center of. And if you close them, kids can't participate in that. We've also seen, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, conversations around what kind of materials are appropriate for what ages and some kind of aggressive ideas about, um, you know, certain topics of a sexual nature. When it's when is the right time to introduce that to kids? And I think for a long time, uh, most people agree that, uh, while we've seen certain changing um, sexual mores, those ones I don't think were always wrong, that you kind of just left sex and kids that uh, were not really topics that went together just because the body before puberty is not really ready for those things. Right. And I'm not sure where the American Psychological Association is on this, but, um, you know, the hardest clients most counselors will tell you are, are, are children who were victims of some kind of sexual abuse, there's something about the, the body and the way it grows and develops that if you shatter that at an early age before it's ready, that person is fragmented in a way that they will never go back together correct. And, you know, any counselor who's worked with these clients, it's just something they carry with them the rest of their life. I, I think you're really playing with fire to, to introduce these things. Look, look at what happened to the Boy Scouts. Look at what happened in the Catholic Church uh, schools all over the place. If you create the conditions for things like this to happen, they can happen in in uh, in huge numbers. And um, and it seems like they're ab- it seems like they're deliberately trying to do that. They want to sexualize our children at an early age, so they are vulnerable. And some a lot of them never get over it, like you say. And and so what about Planned Parenthood? They're trying to get on school campuses. Well, I mean, they already go in the classroom a lot, but they want to provide abortion services, but also provide sex hormone therapy to minors and supply these curriculums that are being implemented in schools as well without parental knowledge. And so this is, I see this as a very big threat. And so what can we do about that? And how big of a threat is it, do you think? 
You know, I, I, um, th- this is not the first attempt for these kind of ideas and, and systems to try to work themselves out. It's, you know, I've spoken with other people who have participated in leadership in San Diego Unified, and this is, these are the kinds of things that they've been desiring for a long time. Um, uh, for, for various reasons. I mean, you ha- these are ultimately, these are political organizations trying to combine resources together to carry out a political agenda. Yeah. Um, and th- these are a destructive uh, political agenda, in my opinion. Like, yeah, from the biblical sure. worldview, sure. it's very destructive. But you're saying it's yeah. been going on for quite a long time in San Diego District? No, no, nothing like I, I, uh, I, I believe there's been a desire to do something like this for a long time. There just hasn't been the, the willpower or the ability to pull the trigger. I think they're getting closer to um, to doing things that are, uh, you know, not far off from the, the kinds of things you were just talking about. I think the movement is is working itself closer to to doing that. And I think uh, there would be a lot of parents that. Uh, would obviously don't want to to see that sort of thing happen. Well, they've got to push back. Um, I understand that they're already teaching the queer theory ideology in San Diego Unified School District. That's what the notice is that we got from the Family Council. Uh, so, yeah, I don't think parents are really aware of it. But with five teacher union school board members, wow, I I can believe it. I mean. I want to talk a little bit, Just, Becca, about um, your your background because you bring a rich background to the uh, office that you're running for. So you used to live in Austin, Texas, not too long ago, I think. Which, by the way, Texas might be conservative, but Austin, Texas, is pretty liberal, right? But you help. Uh, Austin is basically the uh, the San Francisco or the Berkeley of Texas. Right. Right. And yet, in that environment, you helped found Valor Public Schools, which is a charter public school system. And as I referred to in your intro, it includes such things as studying the great classics and advanced math and science. So what caused you and your colleagues, I guess, to found this uh, school system? And what kind of results uh, did you get from that? Um, I fell in love with uh, reading the great books in college. I was introduced to it. I, to be honest, I was a horrible uh, high school student. I think I probably graduated reading less than 10 books cover to cover. And uh, when I when I returned to, to studies in college, I, uh, I just fell in love with reading certain kinds of texts that I had never encountered. And it really changed me. And after graduating from college, I went and uh, took a job teaching at a school that was doing a great books program similar to that. And um, not too long after that, I met a group of people who wanted to, who, who liked what the school was doing, but really wanted to try to do something a little differently. And so that's when we, we, we founded Valor. And it was really just a group of four people um, um, with with a with a desire to see it carried through, we uh, we applied for a charter in Texas. We got a charter, and in the last let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six years, it's expanded to an organization that has over 200 employees, um, a 20 million dollar annual operating budget, and we are opening five beautiful campuses, and we're really proud of them. It's just absolutely exploding, um, and a lot of a lot of success. Uh, and that's what can happen if. Um, if you have um, an area that's open to allowing parents to choose where their where their kids get to go to school, and you have a, a means of um, helping uh, people like me with ideas for for a different kind of education that people really want, uh, a public education, 
be able to offer it to kids tuition free and their families. And it's, it's just, that's been a huge success out there. Excellent. That's what I call a quality education. The great books of the past, the great thinkers, why I have to learn to reinvent the wheel again. There's a lot of, there's so much wisdom from the past that we need to pass on to our next generation. I love the great books as well. I, I studied those in my liberal arts arts program at Stanford. I just was just enthralled and I was so upset when they cut the reading list of the great books. And, and then our daughters have taken the great books too. That's the quality education that people should be having. So you say that you're also going to push for programs as uh, hands-on as sustainable gardening shop class and you know, we took home management when I was in school. And yeah, those are hands-on life skills that people need instead of just looking at screens all day on their computers. And so, you know, tell us how you, was that implemented in your charter schools as well? And how could you put that into the San Diego school district? Totally. And, you know, I actually, uh, this is kind of funny. I applied for an endorsement with the Sierra Club, and I pointed to the fact that, hey, look, our schools have a gardening program and every school site. And that wasn't, you know, an add-on or an idea. From the beginning, we said, hey, we're going to have a sustainable gardening program. Our kids are going to go on hikes. Our kids are going to appreciate and be good stewards of the, of the natural world. And I really believe in that. And that's kind of the, the conservation part of conservative. Like, we're not, uh, we, we, we really are for these things. Yes, and, we are. Uh, I, think, I think they really appreciated that. And it, it, it totally, um, you know, shakes up this false image that we have that we're, we're just interested in burning up resources and creating a bunch of plastic and trash. That's not what we're about. And of course not. To the hands-on, right. and, and to the hands-on part, I think, um, you know, one of my favorite books is called Shop Shop. Uh, Shop class as soul craft by a man named Matthew Crawford. And he gives, so our schools are a lot about, uh, you know, the liberal arts or the freeing arts. There's also the, you know, the servile arts or, uh, and rather than pitting these two things against each other, I think there is so much value in every kid, at least experiencing work with their hands. And that that is an incredibly fulfilling way to live your life. And that some people are really just fit for that kind of work. So our schools don't have, you know, the charter schools are really robust program, but we do, um, we do, we do our great book things really well. But I, I, I'm just a huge advocate as well for these other kinds of trade programs in schools. And public schools used to be a, do a phenomenal job of offering these kinds of classes. And in, you know, in the yeah. wake of schools turning into a center for for a labor movement, they just cut all these things out and. Uh, you know, we don't have, they don't have access, kids don't have access to them in the way that I did when I went to school and the way that they really need to, to bring up the next generation of people who want to work with their hands. I agree. And one of the other really important elements, I think, is music. That's a hands-on, wonderful way to connect with other people, to, to bring out the art in, in, in life. Well, art and music, uh, we need those programs, too, the hands-on uh, cultural enrichment that music and art bring. So, yeah, I really support you on that. Another really important area, there's so many things for you to to cover with you, Becca, and, and uh, within the time we have. 
So another thing you say on your website is you're going to bring back programs that seek to bring us together, and you emphasize the unified in the San Diego Unified School District. You say, I believe unity comes from a shared pursuit of equality. You know, we've, we talked recently uh, with a lady who's a counselor and, and in schools, and she said how damaging critical race theory is psychologically when you're telling certain children that there's something they absolutely cannot control, like what race or what ethnicity they were born with, and you're making them feel guilty. You're laying this psychological guilt on them. That doesn't seem like a thing we should be pushing in, in school. You know, I've I've struggled so much to campaign and to find a word to describe the ideas that you're talking about and to, to show that they actually are here and present in the schools, especially in a teacher training that I, I obtained resources from. Um, I think uh, one of the things you cannot underestimate the fact that the whole concept uh, when you say even CRT, you, you immediately shut down a whole audience of people who have been um, kind of conditioned to think that it is only a college-level course being taught and you're participating in a national narrative that doesn't exist. I find it, the really? word CRT to be, to be very unhelpful, very unhelpful. And I, um, so I try to talk to people about the ideas because it's a term that is so loosely defined and basically has no meaning to a huge uh, portion of the population. So I, I usually don't steer towards those conversations when I'm, you know, when I'm trying to talk and I've, um, because I, I just, I, you know, one thing that I think would be helpful for the audience here is as soon as you bring up that term, for whatever reason, you will immediately alienate a significant part of the audience that has no idea what you're talking about. Um, and I'd rather talk about the ideas. Yeah, so yeah, I, ideas. No, I understand. I understand. Well, and, especially as divided as we are, everything seems to descend into political partisanship. But then when you talk about the ideas, and as Andrew Hayes said last week, maybe you can use the did you know approach when you talk about it. Did you know that they're teaching certain kids to be feeling guilty? Did you know that they're teaching to see everything through the eye of race. Did you know that they're teaching that there's one oppressed class and then there's the oppressors, you know, things like that, right? Exactly. I would point out the practical consequences of the ideas as well, because as soon as you start getting into theory, it muddies the waters and, um, you know, you get a lot of pushback immediately, like, this isn't going on, um, you know, you're, you're making this up, um, and uh, define this. Give me one shred of evidence. Give me anything. And like, I have quite a bit of evidence. Um, it's not really where I've directed my campaign, but this is an issue that I think um, springs up the most passion on both sides. Yeah. Um, as as yep. much as academics um, is probably the most common issue, this particular topic gets people very, very passionate on both sides. So really? you just have to be really careful. Um, because we don't want to talk over each other when we're trying to, you know, bring people in to understand something. And I think right now we have a huge problem with language yeah. and a huge problem with talking over each other. Well, that's where can't disagree we, with that. We, well, and just from a biblical point of view, we can't talk in other terms that the other side wants to foist on us. In our belief, we have to use clear language where there's clear meanings. Uh, but one 
one also aspect of your campaign that you've talked about is create schools with a distinct culture characterized by listening. And this goes along with what you were just saying, listening and gratitude. And you want to create safe learning spaces free of bullying and open to critical thinking. So what are the, what are the challenges that you see in opposition to doing that? Oh, man, I, um, you know, each, San Diego Unified, like, there are some outstanding teachers in San Diego Unified that don't really participate in the kinds of, uh, you know, curriculum issues that we're talking about. Um, so it's really, every classroom ends up being really, really different. Uh, but there are classrooms that I think stifle uh, free speech, creative thinking, and the desire uh, to allow kids to um, to think differently and, and to be present. You know, we uh, just a couple weeks ago in Sandy Unified, a student took a picture of a, a board and it, it had the term fascist on it. And they labeled Christians, heterosexuals and whites as fascists. Mm. Now, that student did not want to wanted wanted to report it. So they did. But they know our identity reveals. Hmm. Think of how scared, uh, you know, how far we've come from shutting out certain people in a conversation when someone is so scared to to be associated with something that egregious. That's how far we've come in terms of uh, certain classrooms having a condition where groups of people are frightened. You know, and this is the, the school has called itself this. This is the year of equity and belonging. That does not inspire belonging. No, that's that's excluding a whole class of people. But we 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 think we you know we believe in overcoming evil with good, and so that's the way to overcome things like this. And I don't know exactly the way in that situation, but the principle is there. So, um, so Becca, you've go go ahead. Go ahead. No. All right, I'll I'll yeah. go ahead. So you've got some great concepts here. You had other great concepts that we will maybe address another time. But I think the concepts you're putting forward could benefit thousands of children here in San Diego. So, how, Becca, how's your message being received, including in minority communities, which of course are extremely important where we live? So, what? How do you feel like your message is being received? I think it's being received well. You know, I've really targeted um, the Latino and the and the Asian communities, particularly older um, older minorities, with that this exact kind of messaging. Because believe it or not, those people actually tend to have some of the most conservative values, and uh, and they don't like this these kinds of things. So I've really been sending messages to different groups um, to communicate why. Um, why would I offer, how would that benefit them, and, and how does it speak to their community and, and what, what their concerns are with the schools? So this race is really interesting. The teachers unions have dumped in $300,000 to stop me from wow. being the one person to participate on the board. Yesterday I got a mailer, and it's a, all the mailers are Texas-themed. Um, Texas is also not my home state, by the way, but they're claiming that I'm a, like, a, like a radical Texas extremist and uh you know they put a picture of me up and it says unwanted uh and then another one said um you know or, or, from the people like that, that promote belonging yeah right <laughs> yeah exactly uh, and, and, it, and one of them literally said becca williams does not belong in schools. what in, in our schools. 
So the theme is like, I am unwanted, I don't belong, and I don't know if it's going to work. I really don't. Some of these uh, negative messages they're sending may backfire. I can tell you, I could have done a much better hit piece on myself. I, I, I pray that. I well, love why that. don't they have their own arguments to put forward? That's what I don't understand. They, all they can do is attack the other side. I mean, personally, so it's, it's sad. But how can our listeners support you, Becca? We're almost to the end of our program. How can they get a hold of you, support you, and vote for you? Tell everyone you know to turn in their ballot. There is no reason. Every vote center, once they're open, turn in a ballot. If you know anyone that lives in La Jolla, Pacific Beach, Mission Bay, Point Loma, or University City, tell your friends to tell your friends to vote for Becca Williams. Uh, if you have, you know, I, we're always fundraising for financial support, so I can send out my own mailers, so I can send out my own text messages, so you can boost me that way too. But at the end of the day, everything that's given, whether it's volunteers or money, converts to votes people have to turn in their ballot there are people who are listening to this right now that agree with everything we're we're talking about uh that will not end up turning in their ballot and so at the end of the day you do have to do that absolutely so we really encourage everybody to get out there and vote thanks so much for being with us becca it's been wonderful you you are a great candidate we hope you win get out there and vote listeners and we'll we'll see you at another time Thanks a lot. God bless you, Becca. Thanks. Thank you. God bless you as well. Have a great day. You too. To bless your neighbor, vote for qualified candidates who support our biblical values. In other words, the truth. So consider making a contribution. And this election is so important. If you haven't voted, please get out there. And we did our show last week on the details of it if you want to review that. But we also want to tell you, about the Freedom Revival Conference that's coming next Saturday, October 29th. It's on the lawn in front of the Board of Supervisors building, right down there by the marina, by the Midway. We're going to have tons of great speakers, over 100 exhibitors. You can connect with so many other thousands of others that are doing something out there in the public square to make things better. It's free of charge. We encourage you to go. See you there. Join us next Saturday at noon for Biblical Citizen. Let's roll. Your hosts, Brian and Kathleen Melanakis, seek to educate and activate Christians at a grassroots level, helping them to live out their responsibility to influence civic affairs for good. Next week, we will cover another major news happening from the view of the Biblical Citizen. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flint. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.